This is the Ukrainian Podcast with Vladimir Proknevsky, session number 83. Here we go. Hello, Ukrainian family. Vladimir Proknevsky here, and welcome to episode number 83 of the Ukrainian Podcast, where I serve a Ukrainian family with daily interviews from highly creative people. And today's guest is Rafal Tamal. He's a partner and creative director at Authentic. But before I play my interview with Rafal, I want to let you know that we updated our Learn After Effects Expressions course. The update is heavily focused on the basics of expressions. Understanding the core of expressions will give you a very strong foundation to build on. Contrary to popular belief, you don't need to be great at math and you don't need to know everything about expressions in order to be good at them. Just like you don't need to know everything about a car to be a good driver. You just have to know the basics. And for everything else, we have tools and resources to lean on. So check it out at ukremedia.com expressions. Again, check it out at ukremedia.com expressions. And I also want to take a second to thank our sponsor, actionvfx.com. They have over 2,500 elements of professionally shot VFX stock footage captured on the latest RED cameras. From explosions, fire, water, smoke, gun effects, debris, particles, weather, blood, and gore, go to actionvfx.com. Again, go to actionvfx.com vfx.com and now here's my conversation with rafal tamal enjoy rafal welcome to the show and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know hi yeah thank you for having me so one of the most interesting thing people don't know about me is i started as a web developer before i was a designer and uh, <laughs> early in my in my journey design or drawing wasn't my like main passion i was my, my passion was math and wow programming and i was started by writing some uh c++ c uh oh, wow. code and yeah some, some serious hard, stuff <laughs> yes hardcore development stuff and i was still in school and i asked my math teacher how can i become better in math i, wanted, I always wanted to push myself you know to the limits and become better and better and my math teacher told me you need to start doing something on the creative side like start playing <laughs> some music instruments or start drawing so you can activate the other side of your brain and then you will become better at math Great programming. Great advice, and, wow. Yeah, so thanks to that teacher, uh, I started drawing. I, I, never, uh, I never felt like I'm, I can be good at music, but I, I, <laughs> I thought maybe I can start drawing. And I was already like in almost in high school when I started drawing for the first time. <laughs> like, you know, before that, I, I drew something when I was a kid, but it wasn't anything serious. So I started drawing and that got me so interested. And I started feeling like I love doing uh, the creative work. And from that, I slowly started transitioning from developing, from coding into design. And from drawing on a paper, I started designing in Photoshop. And later in my career, I decided I, I want to be a designer, not a developer anymore. Wow. What a shift. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, but I still, I still can code, uh, like everything I do is, uh, uh, I design and I coded it and, uh, I could create the entire product from scratch. See, that's that's amazing. It's so rare to find somebody who's good at both. Cause usually web developers are the kind of people that can't touch anything creative. I mean, Photoshop is not their friend. So to have you who's an amazing designer, I thought you were a designer first, developer second, because most of the time you meet people who are designers, then they kind of learn front end stuff a little bit so they can kind of design websites and kind of put them together with HTML and CSS. 
but you started in reverse, man. That's pretty cool. And I can't say that I've met anyone who can do both. So I guess you, you would be considered like a full stack developer or front end developer. I'm more a front end developer. You know, I never had a, like a training, like a real training in coding. I never felt like a real developer because of that, but I read so many books and I, I'm a self-taught, uh, both designer and developer, but, uh, I could code pretty advanced stuff in the past. Right now, I feel like I'm trying really hard to forget everything I learned <laughs> because I just, I hate coding. Every time I, you know, when I design a website and I love this part of, you know, of designing and all those mock, creating all those mockups. And when it comes to code it, I, I struggle and I start procrastinating. Even though I can do this, I just don't like this part. And one of the reasons, uh, I feel like I'm slowly retiring from coding and I'm letting... <laughs> do that part oh, no. someone else and and that's probably one of one of the biggest part why uh i'm now in a partnership with a develop one of our partners a developer so i don't have to oh, code I anything i design only and pass it to the developer and i'm in my like uh like my lovely spot you know it's interesting because well i'm kind of did in reverse because i'm learning right now i'm trying to learn javascript and man that's a that's a tough one right there and actually a lot of stuff that we do for Ucromedia we use JavaScript but for the after effects. So it's it's uh, expressions, that's what they call it, I guess, that we, we script, well, we use JavaScript on the motion graphics side of things. So anyway, so I thought, hey, it'll be probably good for me to know because it's something that I was always intimidated of. You know, I learned HTML, CSS, that stuff was easy. But JavaScript is something that intimidated me so much. But then when I started learning it, at first it was like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. But then you put it down, you come back the next day, it gets easier and put it down and come back. Like after a month, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm starting to see it, man. So I'm yeah. curious with, with you, you, so you started coding, then you got in design. What was your next step? What was your first job? How did you transition to where you are today? Did you go to school for, for what you do or? <laughs> so it's another funny story. I, my first job was a PHP developer. It was uh, right after I came to the United States. I was like 19 years old. I started looking for a job. <laughs> And uh, I don't know, like, even know uh, the Polish community in Chicago, like most of Polish people work on construction, uh, construction workers. So when I came here, everyone told me you need to go uh, and find a job in the construction because that's <laughs> what uh, that's what we do here. Right. And like, there's no chance you can you can work in an office or be someone else if you never finish school, if you don't have a degree. So, and I actually started uh, with my father's company. He has a hardwood flooring company, so I started helping him, some of that. But I, I just you know wanted to do something else, and I started looking for, for a job, and I found a, a job offer, for a PHP developer. So I thought I would I would just send my send an email and I would see if I can, get it, and that's how I got my first job as a PHP developer, and one of my first projects was to code a website from a mockup that was sent by a freelance designer. And I look at the, that mockup and it was so bad. It was, I, <laughs> I could see so many, I, I didn't consider myself as a good designer back then. I, I, like all the project I did was for small freelance clients. But and, you know crap when you see it, right? <laughs> yeah, and I, I saw so many mistakes. I saw the how that person's, you know, organized the layers in Photoshop. And maybe that's my, maybe because my programming background, I like, organize my layers in Photoshop oh, like I, I was thinking like a, like a code. So I wanted to have everything, you know, I, I come up with my own naming structure and all, all of that stuff. 
but I look at the mockup and I tell uh, my boss that I can try to do a better mockup in Photoshop if you want to give me a try. And I designed a mockup that day and they told me from now on, you are a designer. You are not the developer anymore nice. in this company. So promoted. Yeah, actually that was probably pro uh, developers maybe even make more money than designers. So, that's true, but, that's true. But if but you do both, happy. if you know both, right? Yeah, I was happy that I could do, do that and, and not to you know, spend hours in, in a code. So that was a good transition for me and for the company. They didn't, they didn't even give me a chance to write a single line of code. They, they saw my, my mockups and wow. yeah, they, they thought that's, there's, a, there's some potential in here. That sealed the deal. Wow. Now I'm curious, when you moved to the United States at age 19, did you speak the language? Uh, yes. You know, I spoke the language the way I was taught in school. And we never had a like a native English speaker in school. I know uh, I know you're, you're from Ukraine, and I know how it is in Ukraine. But in Poland, it was very hard to get uh, native speaking teachers. Uh, so like all of our English teachers were were Polish. So we I feel like learn I learned a lot of bad habits <laughs> from from school. So when I came, uh, it was very hard to even understand in one sentence. Even even though I could write <laughs> English pretty well. I could read and write very well, but yeah, the speaking language, that was, that was a struggle. Well, and you went to, you moved to Chicago and that's just like Polish capital in the United States. If you think about it, a lot of people from Poland over there. So yeah. what was it like? <laughs> you kind of, in a way, have to withdraw yourself from the community to learn the language. Yeah, you have to get out of the community. Yeah, there's a big, big Polish community. I think I saw a, a report there's more Polish people living in Chicago than in Warsaw which what? is uh, the capital of Poland. So <laughs> you can crazy. imagine the scale of <laughs> that. And there's like a whole wow. Polish village uh, where you come and you see uh, Polish doctors, Polish stores, everything, even the, the, the tourist signage is in Polish language. So you can live there for years, not even have to, you know, speak uh, any English. Like you're and, back home, yeah. Yeah, and I knew some people who, who lived there uh, for many, many years and they never spoke any English. And they could get away with that. I feel like because I didn't work in, a, just, right? in the construction, uh, didn't have any construction job, I, I could get out of this uh, community and start uh, like living in a, probably uh, between other people. So that probably helped me to get out of there. I still, you know, I have a lot of Polish friends and yeah, so it's, it works in both ways. No, it is true. And, you know, I come from a very similar culture as yours. In fact, my last name is Proknevsky, so I have some Polish in me. My dad is from the Polish side. And so Ukraine, Poland, we're, not, we're, we're neighbors. And anyway, so moving to the United States, like you said, yeah, a lot of our people go into construction because, you know, the language barriers and stuff, that's the easiest thing to get into. And trucking, like box trucks, semi trucks. So, yeah, transitioning away from that to a, like a creative field or design field is definitely... Not easy, but it's definitely possible. I always wonder, like, why, like, I, my brothers do trucking, and then my father-in-law is in the trucking. I know a lot of people in the construction, but it's like the number one job that people seem to get into as soon as they move to the United States. Especially like trucking, for example, you can just turn the GPS on, <laughs> and, and there you go. Yeah, I think maybe it was the previous generation that came here, and uh, they had different ambition or you know different uh, level of education and all of this stuff now i feel like the new generation comes here like i came here you know not, not to survive i came here to make a career 
and I feel like the new generation is the same. They come here to, you know, to to have a good job, try something else, and uh, have a good career. Not only to to survive. Like, and I have a, so much respect to our parents because they had to sacrifice a lot just to come here to work uh, very hard. You know, the job they that's not probably they they dream job they they wanted to do, but right. that was what they had to do to survive and to support the family. And that's what my dad did. He worked for years here alone and my family was in Poland and he supported us. And I had so many friends in school, like uh, almost every second family was was broken into pieces uh, because parents were working in different different parts of the world. No, it's definitely sacrifice. You know, I moved to the States when I was 12. My parents, I mean, they left everything they knew they didn't speak the language. They still don't speak the language. And they came here to sacrifice everything just so we can have a, a shot at a better life. And yeah, you're right. They, they did have to take jobs that were, weren't exactly the best jobs in the world. But but it is amazing. Like they, A lot of our Russians and Ukrainians, they're, they're like thriving. They're owning all these truck companies and, and the construction companies, even though they're, you know, they're uh, hard labor jobs. But man, they're doing an amazing job. Like All of them have really nice cars. All of them doing really yeah. well, it seems like it. Now let's uh, transition to uh, a dark moment in your in your creative journey. I want you to tell us the story of your worst moment in your creative journey. So, Rafael, take it away. Don't hold back any punches. Uh, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like I have a tendency to work very hard on something for a very long period of time, and <laughs> I can easily get lost in that. Like if I work on too hard on something without looking for like a small successes like even having small breaks and getting something out of this. And I keep working, working, working on that. And after some time, I start losing my motivation and what leads to a to burnout. And that happened to me a couple of times in my career. And I feel like everyone should be, uh, I'm trying now to be uh, trying to avoid that, even though it's still like last year, I, I, fall into that trap again uh, i don't i don't have a i don't have any good advice how to avoid that because i, uh, I was about to ask you <laughs> i was obviously wasn't good at it like last year uh, but i feel like whatever you do if you have a long project on your mind a big project on your mind you have to split it into smaller portions like try to chop into i don't know one two weeks uh sprints and release often and get some feedback back to you so you can like at least feed your your own motivation to continue that project because if you keep working on something for months without having any feedback and you you left alone with your own thoughts you start you know and that's that's probably the thing uh, every creative person does like even when you look at your own design for a long period of time you start seeing all the bad things about that design <laughs> and yeah. you start hating that design after some time so, so that's what happens to you when you work on a project for, for too long. And yeah, I, I feel like um, we should, I think there's probably even a, a saying that ship often, uh, <laughs> I probably <laughs> forgot this, this saying right now, but there was something about shipping often and, and working in a smaller, smaller portions of times. Interesting. Now let's shift gears and talk about something positive. I want you to tell us the story of your best moment creative journey. Yeah, so one of the best moments was right after probably that burnout I had. Like I worked on a in 2015, I released my ebook, which was called the Essential Web Design Handbook, and I worked very hard on it for a, for a longer period of time. 
and I was almost burned out. I almost wanted to take a step back, never publish it. I thought it's a, it's wow, a bad, really? bad thing. And I had the same thing with my web typography course last year. I worked very hard hmm. and right a day before publishing, I thought I, I don't want to publish it. I thought like it's, it's really bad. Nobody's <laughs> going to read it. Nobody's going to learn anything from it. But I, I hit the publish button and the first email I got from the first customers, from the first students, were so good to hear. Like people were, you know, thanking me for sharing the knowledge, showing me their designs, they what they did after learning from my courses or my ebook. And that was like the best moments in my life, probably in my career, seeing all those uh, people that I can that they, they learn something from my from my stuff. They I can teach something to them. They they can improve their skills. I can see that their work is better. They they're more proud of uh, what they created, and so all of those uh, probably were like the best moments. That's awesome. What was it like? Well, let's see. We we created two courses, and we got several products as well. They're not PDFs, or anything like that, or not the eBooks. But what was it like creating a course? Was it very hard? How long did it take you to do it? And what kinds of things did you learn from putting together a course? And the ebook. Yeah, so the first ebook I, I did was um, I was still working full time. I had a full time job, so I was working on the ebook like evenings, wow. nights. And that was also the time when uh, my daughter was born. So <laughs> right before she was born, I, I like the last two weeks, uh, I was working very hard to finish that ebook because I knew once she's born, I won't have any time on my hands. <laughs> So, so I finished the ebook almost a day before she was born, <laughs> and after then, uh, but still, there was so so much work to do after the finishing the product. I had to design and code the landing page. I had to set up the e-commerce uh, plugin to sell the ebook, like all those different pieces. Uh, that's that's probably another um, the curse of being both developer and designer that I could do everything myself. So I did. Oh, uh, man. And I did all. I put together all those pieces and, and launched the ebook. Yeah, so that was probably the same amount of work after finishing the product, like the, the work you have to put into into your product. What What advice would you give to someone who wants to publish their own ebook? Like, if you went back in time, what would you tell yourself right before you were starting to put together that ebook? Yeah, so probably number one would be don't do everything yourself, <laughs> like. <laughs> If you are not a great copywriter, maybe hire someone to write copy for your sales page because that's probably like the most important part. Of, you can have you can have a great product, but if you don't have a good sales copy, you know you you won't feel you know great not seeing those sales, and you feel like the product maybe is bad or something. But everything can depend on a on a sales copy. Another thing, if you are not a developer, hire someone to code that that sales page for you spend that money because uh, the sooner we can get the product out there. And I know some people, I know some designers were trying to learn how to code just to code the sales page for the product. But the time it takes to you, you could start selling your product in that time and, and, and start making some money. So the sooner you can la- launch the product, the better. If you have some people interested in your product, you want to get them your product first because like other people releasing their products every day so someone may, you know, every day someone can buy someone else's product and not be interested in yours anymore. So it's very important to launch soon. And the last thing I would recommend is to create, especially if it's your first product, to create as small product as possible. 
and that's related to my to my burnout uh story <laughs> that you know i know that we always start uh it always starts start small in our mind but then we start overthinking it and start adding more and more at least that's right. what happens in, in my case so from what's supposed to be a small ebook turn into a pretty big project so if you can think small and you know focus only on keeping it very small especially if it's uh your first product i think uh you're on the best way to success great advice rafael let's take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back with more questions this episode is brought to you by our friends from actionvfx.com. They provide the best stock footage elements for professional visual effects from explosions, fire and smoke, muzzle flashes and bullet shells and gun effects to debris and particles. They have your assets covered. Available in 4K, 100% royalty free. They also have over 250 free VFX elements for you to download. Stuff like free fire sound effects, spell hits, bullet shells, blood mist, bullet hole textures, dust waves, water sound effects, explosion sound, and and the list goes on and on. If that's not enough, then check out their tutorials and blogs. ActionVFX.com is a great online resource. Save on render time with real elements, no more simulations. Go to ActionVFX.com. Again, go to ActionVFX.com. And now back to the interview. All right, we're back from the break. I have a total of six questions for you. And the first question is, how do you overcome creative blocks? I like I like to know that too. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's a that's a tough one. Like I said, I have a tendency to probably work too hard and and hit those creative blocks uh, <laughs> too often. But I feel uh, recently I started doing better job scheduling my work. So I I try to uh, work uh, create like a blocks of time and and work only in that particular uh, block of time and finish when it's when the block of time is, is en ends then that's when I end my, my 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 work on it I take a break then I work you know on something else or try to even limit the the creative work I put in a day because uh, if you work too too many hours uh, doing creative work you will burn out very soon amen to that now if you could give one piece of advice to aspiring designers what would that be I would say to keep experimenting with different things. Not like I know so many designers are maybe might be attracted in the beginning, like UI UX, because that's what's uh, popular and that's what they see on Dribble, like all those nice uh, wireframes, like all those uh, UI UX designers. Uh, but it might not be something you want to do in the long term. So like, so so try different things. Tr try some visual design, maybe. Try some uh, 3D design, motion graphics, like all different things before you decide what you want to do. Like in my case, if I didn't, if I never tried design, I'll probably be, still be a developer, and I would never known how much fun is designing. Hmm. Wow. Now, how do you balance work and personal life? I think this the schedule. It comes back all to schedule. So, like I said before, I'm trying to create some blocks in my schedule during the day. So once once I hit that deadline, I close the computer, I finish everything I was working on, and I go and have some fun with with my daughter, and spend some time with family. That's awesome. Now for this next question, I'm curious to hear your response because you kind of switched careers already. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Other than your own and the web development? <laughs> yeah, that's a tough tough one. 
I would love to be a painter and be an artist, like not not in a digital world, but like probably draw something or paint. More traditional And I stuff. feel like, yeah. So I feel like maybe that would be something I would do when I retire from from design development uh, work. And if I don't have to work for, for money, then that's what I would love to do. Like learn how to paint, be a professional painter. Awesome. Now, share one of your personal habits that contributes to your success. Um, I think it's maybe not one habit, but like the, my entire work ethic. I put a lot of focus on that early in my career. Like, like I had some experience working with other people and I realized that even if someone is talented and very good, but if someone doesn't have a good work ethic, if it's... Uh, misses the deadlines and uh, is not communicating very well like it ruins the entire experience working with that person so from the beginning I was trying to put a lot of focus on my work ethic and always make sure I finish everything by the deadline I treat every project with respect like that was uh, also one of the one of the things I, I, I wanted to do from the beginning like no matter what project it is, if it's a 500 project or if it's 5,000 project, I treat it the same way. Wanted to put the same amount of effort to the project, not to, because like every project counts. So you never know, like from, from this project, you go to another one, more right. expensive one uh, or a better one. And so you don't want to put a bad impression uh, on a client or someone to see like, a worst part of your work just because you were in rush or you didn't feel like that was worth your time. If it's not worth your time, if you don't feel like you put 100% of yourself, then I don't even uh, want to start that project. Work work ethic is huge, for sure. I don't know if that answered that, that question, but uh, yeah, work ethic no, that's is probably great. one of the... Mm-hmm. No, that's what, you know, My I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old, and my six-year-old right now is playing soccer, and when I go out to watch him play, every Saturday and Monday he has practice. I don't so much care for his skill level because it's six years old. Like what kind of skill is he going to have? Right. There's, I mean, he's still learning. Like he's, he needs to touch mm-hmm. the ball as much as possible, but I do pay attention to his work ethic. And when he slacks in his work ethic, that's what I, I, I I'm very hard on. Like I want to make sure that he's out there giving his all and has fun at the same time. You know, I didn't force him to play the sport. He chose to play that sport, but I want to make sure that if you're there, your work ethic should be, hundred percent. You should not be slacking. You know, that's when injuries happen. Honestly, on the soccer field, I played all my life. When somebody is sloppy on the field, that's, that's when you get hurt. <laughs> and mm-hmm. this, this could go across the board. If you're sloppy with your work and all this stuff, like it, it, or relationship, if you don't go all in, you know, when you work, work, when you play, play, it's going to bring you some trouble for sure. Now I'm curious, where yeah. do you get your inspiration from? I feel like I have all different sources. Uh, I have a few other uh, a couple of other designers I follow and I like. Uh, I like their work. I think I spend a lot of time on dribble. <laughs> probably probably not the saying. best, uh, not the best way because uh, a lot of those designs on dribble are just for show. That doesn't tell you the entire the entire story behind the project. But uh, I'm trying to keep up myself up to date on what's trendy, like uh, what design trends are right now out there because when we work on a new project for, for a client we want to make sure it's it looks fresh it looks like it's uh, something trendy so yeah dribble probably is my my main source of inspiration there that's where i follow my favorite designers and uh, i watch them very closely <laughs> 
For the next question, you almost kind of answered it. I was going to ask you for an internet resource to recommend an internet resource that you find helpful in your work or personal life. Is there another internet resource that you find helpful other than Dribble? Well, your personal website is a great resource. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> um, I there are a few uh, personal personal websites, email newsletters that I read that I I'm subscribed to. There is Instagram is becoming a huge yes. part. I feel like in a, in our space, like all those designers are moving into Instagram because, and I feel like it's an extension of of Dribble now because they can share more stories, they can share videos. So it's very interesting to watch some of those designers' uh, work processes and even seeing their everyday life, like, you know, because it's not only work. Like, we work, but at the same time, we, we take care of our families. Like, most of us w work from home. So it's, it's good to see how people, like, during the day, share some photos uh, with their kids and seeing how other designers are, you know, dealing with, with that work-life balance. So it's very interesting to see that as well. No, that's well said. Now, I want to circle back to, well, we spoke early before we hopped on uh, on the call about the blog post that you've written. It's, I believe it was called, here are my best 30 tips for designers. And number 12, you, you said, don't work on Elance or 99designs. Curious to, to, to hear your, to have you elaborate more on that. Yeah. And I had a, I had a couple emails and comments after I posted that, that people were angry and uh, oh, really? <laughs> they, yeah, that they work on Elance on i9designs and they're, they feel good about this. And, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong working on, on, on those platforms. And especially that if you are, uh, you live in a, in a, depends probably where you live and some of the countries where you live, uh, that can be a good money for you right. if you make a, like, because if you live in the United States and if you design for, I don't know, if you, if you want to design a website mockup for $200, that's not going to pay your bills. And I think the quality of clients, uh, how they respect your work and how they uh, see the work with designers is also not, not, the, not the best direction. Like on 99designs, I believe that's where you post a project and you get like from hundreds of designers. That's crazy. Uh, Wow. Yeah, you got 100 concepts and then they pick one and they pay only that one. So, you know, even if that turns into a longer relationship with that client, I don't feel like that client will respect your work that much, you know. And the amount of time and energy you have to put into working on those concepts and trying to, you know, like, uh, because that's where... Uh, I feel like they, they can also rate you. You get uh, like all those credits. Uh, the more jobs you finish, then you have like a better status on those uh, platforms. So I feel like you could put all that work and effort into your own personal brand and personal website, start writing a blog, start doing some passion projects, side projects that you can show, you can start creating some tools and share them for free. That's how I started my own website. I created my Photoshop wireframe kit that got so many, that got so many traffic into my website that I gathered almost 20,000 email subscribers on my list Jeez. just from those wow. uh, free tools. And I feel like every designer can create those free tools. It's not a super advanced uh, design work that you have to put into. It's just a, the act of goodwill that you create something, you share it for free, and you are okay with, you know, 
with, with other people using your tools, maybe even making money from your tools. But you know, you're building something for yourself, your your own personal brand. And I feel like after some time, you start seeing people coming to you and and asking for advice, asking for for small design jobs, and that can turn into uh, bigger projects and, and better clients. No, so true. And, you know, that's how we started. We started with making free tutorials with project files, and then people would go on our website and download the project file. And, and that's how we grew our YouTube to like 60, over well, over 60,000 subscribers. We got we have an email list. Originally, it was like well over 50,000, but we got it down to like 20,000 because a lot of them were, were flakes. And that's what got us to present with Adobe. It all started with just freebies. We started the blog and we taught people what we knew and then generated all this other stuff. Now, I'm curious for, I have another question in regards to the, the article that you've written. You said, keep your portfolio out of your website. This one is kind of like, hmm, interesting. So I'd love to, to hear your take on that. Yeah, so it's not exactly like not having portfolio connected with your website at all. What I meant by that was not to use, um, maybe it depends on what system you use for your website. Uh, if you use WordPress and other what platform you exactly use. But the problem I always had with my website was I created a custom design website and I know a lot of other designers had the same problem. So you have a custom design website and you have a nice portfolio on your website. And you know, like every designer, you want to redesign your website next year and then next year another design and next another design. So you change something and then you have to redo all of your portfolio items. Ah. You have to redesign um, the size of the images or, you know, like reconstruct almost everything in your portfolio. And that was always it, like in my, in my personal website, I procrastinated on redesigning my website because I didn't want to do that work <laughs> to my portfolio. Okay, and I also I didn't want to like limit myself in terms of design just to match my, my old portfolio content. So, and I feel like there are so many good apps and platforms out there. Like even Dribbble has a, has a option that you can have like your own portfolio site. And it's so, it's much easier to just add images, describe them, you know, have full screen images in there and keep your portfolio out of the website. You can still have a link to your portfolio on your website and link to that page where you have like independent portfolio that you can maintain. I and, like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that worked for me, so. No, this is some great things. So I'll link up your, your article, your blog post in the show notes below for those that want to check it out. There's some great stuff. 19 is my favorite. Create more than what you consume. I mean, there was a season where I consumed a lot, but I am now trying to create more than I consume. That's definitely great advice. And learning to say no, oh my gosh, just we can go through the list. We can spend all day long going through the list, but I don't want to hold you up too much here. So for the last question, how can people get in touch with you? So you can find me on my website, rafaltomal.com. You can find me on Twitter at rafaltomal. You can find me on Instagram, same. I think I, I have rafaltomal on every single social media. You claimed it. There is no other, <laughs> there's no other rafaltomal out there. So, so I was lucky to get that. Yeah, it helps to have a unique name, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, I'm lucky to also have a simple last name because uh, Polish last names can be very complicated and yeah, hard like to pronounce. Yeah, like my last name. So. Yeah, Proknevsky. That's my Polish last name. Nobody can ever spell. I can't even spell it most of the time. Like it takes me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well Rafael, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you sharing your journey with us. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. 
All right, you can be the family. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Rafal Tamal. Rafal, thank you so much for your time. Enjoyed chatting with you. And for everyone else, make sure to check out rafaltamal.com. It's R-A-F-A-L-T-O-M-A-L.com. And as always, all the links and resources mentioned in this episode are also available on our website at ukramedia.com slash 83. And make sure to check out actionvfx.com. Remember, they have your assets covered. Over 2,500 elements of professionally shot VFX stock footage captured on the latest red cameras. From explosions, fire, water, smoke, gun effects, debris, particles, weather, blood, and gore, go to actionvfx.com. Again, go to actionvfx.com. And lastly, don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to ukramedia.com community. We have well over 3,000 people in this group. It is a great online resource for those of you who are trying to grow, and it's absolutely free. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you, and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Ukramedia podcast. Bye-bye.